As a first-gen immigrant, the only thing I remember my grandma telling me when I was little was to eat more. Goodbye diets and hello sustainable health. I'm Elise, dietitian and nutritionist based in the Silicon Valley. I believe that we all deserve an effortless relationship with food without obsession. After more than a decade of dieting, binging, and everything in between, I want to help you heal and rediscover a healthy relationship with food. If you're a millennial looking for some food therapy, I'm here for you. Come with a glass of wine, we'll debunk wellness culture, hormone health, intuitive eating, and more. It's not about the food, ladies. Let's get to what you're really hungry for. So dinner gatherings were a huge thing in my family and all the cousins would sit around the table and my grandma would be like a a kind hawk. She had eyes on everyone's plates and made sure that she had the scoop ready to give us more before even asking. So the thing on her mind every single moment of dinner was, is everyone eating enough? You should eat more. And so that usually ended up with everyone eating seconds, if not thirds. And as I was growing up, when I went to go visit my American friends, I would go over for a a dinner and we got one plate and no one was paying attention to if I was eating enough. No one asked me if I needed more And it always felt incredibly difficult to ask for more and to physically maneuver myself to get seconds. The culture itself, there is a huge difference. And it really speaks to a culture's standards of beauty as well and how it affects what food means. So for my grandma, it was better to be full, to eat more and be plump than it was to be modest. And eating more was a sign of plenty. You know, our dinner table is full and we just, there was enough. So eating more food was not considered gluttonous or in any way bad. It was just a sign that there is plenty to go around. This memory was sparked by actually one of my clients recently who also grew up in another country. She grew up in a South Asian country. And for her in that small town, fat was beautiful or at least bodies were never looked at as more than bodies. So she really never realized what her body looked like because no one really paid any attention to bodies. She moved to another part of the country where thinness was considered more beautiful. And that's when diet culture really seeped in. You have billboards of thin women. You have people telling you this food is good. This food is junk. And for her, That was the opening act to a half decade's worth of dieting and binging. When we're children, we play around outside without a care in the world. We touch things, we smell things, we look at things, and we don't really know what the names of those things are. We just know that they're there and they look a certain way and they're cool and they're fun. We accept them for what they are and we enjoy them for what they are. But then as we get older, we know the name of all of these things. So we know that the thing that we were playing with is a tree. And with any name, you know, when you name something, there are attached connotations. So the jagged thing and tall thing coming out from the ground now has a name and the meaning of it shifts and becomes a little bit different. 
And that's kind of what happens when you get immersed into diet culture, which essentially is what it is when you start naming things good and bad or, you know, healthy and junk. So for her, for that client, the thing that she binged on was never the good food. It was the junk food. It was like her body logically knowing that it was junk. So it was trying to expel it from her body. Whereas before those same foods, growing up, she would eat with her brothers and never gave a thought in the world. She just ate them and enjoyed them and then moved on. And now all she wants is to have the same sort of relationship with food again, where she doesn't obsess over the food. She looks at her friends who looks at a piece of cake, can say no to it, come back the next day and not be bothered. But for her, she's on edge with food all the time. And this has been for years where she feels like she's always having to control herself around these certain foods. But when she thought back to her childhood, she was the person that she looks up to now. She had that effortless relationship with food before getting immersed into diet culture. And to me, that was actually eye-opening because that was such a stark example as to what diet culture can do to the way that you look at food. I think about it and I think if she didn't move to another part of the country, if she just stayed in that sort of happy, quiet bubble, would she have such a tormented relationship with food today? But alas, we live in a culture and a society where everything is diet culture and we don't even see it. You know, I saw it with her because that example was so stark, but I think if you're born into it and you grow up in it, you don't even, there's no other way of looking at it. Food has always been good, bad, healthy, junky, processed. All of these labels are what we've been born into. Before when I used to eat food that my grandma made, it was my grandma's food and you know, her pork noodles were the best and I looked forward to it every single time she made it. But then when I entered adolescence, it became gluten and fatty meat. How appealing is that? And for my client, what used to be delicious food to be shared with her brothers became junk food. The standard of beauty is really changing on a global scale it has only been very recent that we have started to really idealize thinness. For centuries and centuries, it, it was a sign of famine and poverty. Some of this still actually rings true in low and middle income countries. So there are still a handful of countries and cultures in the world where they are fat positive, where fat is a sign of affluence and abundance and plenty. And a study looking at 103 countries found that this actually correlates with a country's GDP. Countries that are below 8,000 US dollars per capita, which just means per person, those are the cultures where the richest portion of the population are obese. And the countries where the GDP per capita is greater than 25,000 USD individuals in the richest portion, in the richest decile, were less likely to be obese. And so you really see the shift. There's this kind of range between 8,000 to 25,000 GDP per capita. That's when you see the shift, you know, whereas below 8,000, the people who are more obese are the rich, the rich people past a certain point 
then it just kind of swaps. This is a really interesting sort of observation and it it kind of makes sense because globalization is really kicking in and countries that used to be fat positive. So think countries like Puerto Rico, Tanzania, African countries, and even the American Samoas for the most part have been fat positive, but more recently have shifted to being more fat negative. Seems like the force of globalization and you know, with technology and information spreading the force of osmosis is there and we kind of all get sucked into you know affluence being thin and thin ideals spreading so it's just the world that we live in and again if you look at art from previous centuries you know you'll see a whole range of bodies you could look at the statues from prehistoric times there were people in varying bodies and shapes And you can look at, you know, even pieces from the Renaissance, you'll see that there are so many beautiful bodies and the bodies are usually range from being big and plump to being thin. So I think this is the only time that we're seeing such discrimination for fatness. This is relatively new is what I'm trying to say. And the question is, who decided that fat is bad? I don't have the answer to that question. But we shall see. I think the movement of health at every size and fat positivity, all of these things are underway and the current is there. And imagine, you know, one day where we live in a world where we don't have to label everything as good or bad. We don't have to aspire to a very specific sort of body shape and size. That's the day that maybe we can all start to accept ourselves and hate ourselves a little bit less. And I, I just think back to that client living in that town where she was so happy she didn't give her body a thought because no one give, gave bodies a care. And thinking about my grandma, food was a sign of plenty and being a little bit plump was fine. Think about if we were to live in a world where bodies didn't matter, size didn't matter, and in that way, eating as much food or as little food as you wanted was not this moral sort of sign of failing or lack of willpower or determination. It was just what you felt like that day. And that is the thought question of the day. I just wanted to get that off my chest because I thought it was such an interesting topic. So if you thought that this was interesting and made it this far, please tag me and tell me maybe where you grew up, the location geographically, and how that shaped the way that you are and how you view your body. I would love to know if you're from a specific town in the States or maybe from a different country, or maybe if you're bicultural or multicultural, what the different cultures are like as they view food and body. So please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes if you have the chance. And I will connect with you all on Instagram in the meantime. So take care, ladies.